Hello, this is Dean Hess, editor of Respiratory Care. Welcome to the April 2017 podcast. In our editor's choice paper, Duboski and colleagues evaluated whether there is a difference in the ventilator-associated pneumonia rate and patient outcomes between the vibrating mesh nebulizer and the meter dose inhaler. They found no association between the use of an MDI or mesh nebulizer and VAP, days on the ventilator, or in-hospital mortality. As Gilmore points out, although the MDI has a long-standing application for patients receiving mechanical ventilation, the mesh nebulizer may offer a viable, safe alternative without the disadvantages of conventional jet nebulizers. Krakow et al. evaluated a retitration protocol in patients failing CPAP. Technology-related problems and residual breathing events were associated with CPAP failure. Technological solutions, such as changes in masks, modes, and pressures, were addressed during retitration, after which 72% of subjects reinitiated positive airway pressure use. These technological interventions were associated with improved objective and subjective sleep variables and reversal of CPAP failure. Testaments and boys suggest that in the future, more tools are needed to select those patients who need to be switched to another PAP mode and to better guide the initial PAP mode in order to minimize the number of retitrations necessary. Milani and colleagues evaluated the time required to rectify inhaler errors in experienced users with a baseline phony technique and to determine whether this time of re-education to restore inhaler mastery differs between devices. They found that in experienced subjects with baseline faulty inhaler use, the mean time of education required to achieve and demonstrate mastery with dry powder inhalers was lower than with MDIs. Variables associated with increased time for correcting inhaler errors were an older age, a lower level of education, and no reported previous instruction of inhaler use. Bose et al. sought to describe the admission characteristics, drivers, and time to onset of initial cardiorespiratory instability events in subjects in a monitored step-down unit. Time to onset of first cardiorespiratory instability event most commonly occurred due to pulse oximetry and was associated with prolonged step-down unit and hospital length of stay. The findings of this study suggest the need for clinicians to more closely monitor patients transferred from an intensive care unit and the parameters, such as oxygen saturation and breathing frequency, that more commonly precede cardiorespiratory instability events. The respiratory movement evaluation tool is a method of quantifying respiratory movement using fiber grading sensors. Liu and colleagues evaluated the clinical feasibility, reliability, and validity of this method. Significant correlations were observed between the respiratory amplitudes measured with the respiratory movement evaluation tool and the amount of air during ventilation measured with a spirometer. The authors concluded that the respiratory movement evaluation tool was feasible for use in clinical practice. 
The physiologic acute effects on cough peak flow and chest wall volumes of healthy subjects was evaluated by Sarmento et al. Significant increases in cough peak flow and inspiratory capacity were found immediately after air stacking. The authors concluded that in healthy subjects, cough peak flow and chest wall volumes can be increased immediately after the application of an air stacking maneuver. The aim of the study by Santos and colleagues was to determine the end expiratory pressures and oscillation frequencies generated when a range of flows were applied to therapist-made bubble PEP devices and three commercial bubble PEP devices. All devices investigated produced similar oscillation frequencies. One of the therapist-made devices maintained the most stable pressure throughout the range of flows that were tested. Using four oscillatory positive pressure devices, Van Fleet and colleagues hypothesized that peak pressure, positive expiratory pressure, oscillatory frequency, and pressure amplitude differ depending upon the device used, device resistance setting, and time. They found clinically relevant variations in peak pressure, positive expiratory pressure, and pressure amplitude between devices and within a device as the resistance setting changed. The combination of device, time, and resistance settings affect device output for pressure, amplitude, and oscillatory frequency. Kojo et al. evaluated whether enteral nutrition was a risk factor for airway complications in patients undergoing non-invasive ventilation for acute respiratory failure. The rate of airway complications was significantly higher and the non-invasive ventilation duration significantly longer in subjects who did receive enteral nutrition than those who did not. However, multivariate analysis showed that enteral nutrition was not related to in-hospital mortality. Bourjoin and colleagues evaluated the relationship between the Bohr and Angoff measurements of dead space in mechanically ventilated children with ARDS. The dead space measurements using the Bohr and Angoff approaches were not different when the PaO2, FiO2, was greater than 300, except in the case of status asthmaticus. In patients with lower PaO2, FiO2, the method to measure dead space should be reported, as the results cannot be easily compared if the measurement methods are not the same. Smallwood et al. assessed the accuracy and agreement of two devices currently on the market using a pediatric in vitro model of gas exchange. One of the devices demonstrated bias and limits of agreement that were not clinically acceptable. Another device demonstrated acceptable bias and limits of agreement for oxygen consumption and carbon dioxide production in the range of 40 to 100 milliliters per minute. The feasibility of mid-frequency ventilation among infants with respiratory distress syndrome was evaluated by Bott et al. Based on this small pilot study, mid-frequency ventilation among preterm infants with respiratory distress syndrome appears feasible. Further larger and longer duration trials are necessary to validate these findings. Hahn et al. evaluated the treatment of pulmonary arterial hypertension using combination therapy of bozantin and iloprost. 
initial combination therapy in treatment-naive pulmonary hypertension patients with World Health Organization functional class 3 or 4 significantly improves 6-minute walk distance, hemodynamics, and quality of life compared to monotherapy. This month, we publish a special article by Morris and colleagues related to respiratory compromise as a new paradigm for the care of vulnerable hospitalized patients. Visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues. Thank you.